of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course, the music. I hope you're all doing well. I've picked up some fun ways to pass the time in the past week or so, and I hope you are as well. 
for me, it's coloring books that my mom dropped off for me uh, over the Easter holiday. They're, of course, Star Wars ones, and they're pretty fun. And it's kind of cool because I've gotten back into just coloring and drawing again, which is amazing. And I'm so into it that I actually ordered the Joy Coloring Pack, which brings together a bunch of independent visual artist work for a mega cute coloring book. Uh, Michaela Jane, who has created this podcast art along with a slew of badass designs for all of your favorite bands and independent music, frankly, um, she organized it all. And some of the artists that are featured in this coloring book, of course, include Michaela, Katrina Snyder from Expert Timing, Alana Hope, Zoe Reynolds of Kississippi, and so many more artists that are just crushing it in independent music year-round, all the time. And I gotta tell you, there's a few physical copies left and unlimited, it seems like, of the digital that you can print at home, too. I'll include a link in the show notes to where you can grab this awesome, fun coloring book that is just amazing. And all the proceeds will be divided among the artists, which is really a great way to support them in this really uncertain time. And it also really helps take your mind off of things. I've found coloring actually to be a really great way to just kind of turn my brain off, focus on something vibrant and beautiful, and it's something that I'm doing, and you don't really think too much unless you're thinking about maybe where you want to color on that space, so it's just good for you. Keep taking care of yourselves, everybody. Find the thing that takes care of you right now. It really makes a difference, and it can just be something as simple as pulling out a coloring book, whether you have crayons, colored pencils, markers, whatever. It just really helps take the edge off of things, so find your thing. And um, speaking of supporting yourself and supporting artists, let's move into this week's guest. Mint Green is an awesome Boston-based band that has put a ton of focus on community spaces, celebrating those, and also um, taking steps to grow themselves, too. Um, Vocalist and front Ronika found her voice and courage as a front person with this project, all motivated by her desire to keep making new music. She joins this week to share her journey in music, the meaning behind Mint Green songs, what's ahead for the band, and more. So let's hear more of Mint Green and then get into the interview.
Well, welcome, Renika, to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are things going for you? Hello. Things aren't too bad. I am safely isolated from all of my friends and peers. Um, so that's what's going on right now on March 18th. 20th. I feel that. <laughs> that's been my life, too. If anything, um, my social distancing is pretty manageable right now with podcasting and um, that, that keeps people in front of me and me remembering how to use words and stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, uh, did an Instagram series over the past two days where people could submit covers or really any song, um, that kind of makes them happier, gives them hope. And so mm-hmm. I let people submit that. And then I just did 15 second covers. One of the one of them weren't covers because they suggested one of our songs, but um, surprisingly got some very interesting ones. Um, for example, two people in a row suggested banana pancakes, um, <laughs> which was very interesting. Um, someone suggested like mannequin pussy, which was really cool. Um, two people suggested Last Hope by Paramore. So it was really interesting seeing where people's heads were and uh what music they were into learned some new songs as well through that so definitely still trying to keep social with the audience and everything throughout the show cancellations and whatnot right and if anything it's cool because i'm sure as you're learning other artists music too for these covers it kind of keeps you sharp in that way too yeah for sure that's why i like to do them because i feel like as um you know, as like a grinding and gigging band, we just get so used to practicing our own songs, writing our songs, performing our songs. And then we kind of lose that maybe initial, uh, not ability, but just like tendency to learn songs that we like just for fun and just for ourselves. And I think doing that every now and then kind of keeps us sharp and keeps us on our toes. That's great. I'm so glad you're doing that. And you know, I'm sure some of these are artists that you really enjoy too. So that's got to help also. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> that's so awesome. Um, well, let's dig into you and what you're, what everything you're doing with Mint Green. When did you kind of first begin playing music? And were there any artists that you were listening to that kind of helped motivate you as you were learning? Hmm. Well, I've, always been kind of a part I have like a musical upbringing but not in the sense that some may think like my mom was like really into karaoke um and so it got to the point where she would like it's kind of embarrassing to like talk about now in hindsight but at the moment for some reason everyone was fine with it but my mom would throw like karaoke parties like at my school because she had like a karaoke machine oh my gosh yeah so like she would legit come with her machine and like we just like you know have just like a relaxed day with like my homeroom class and like when my brother went to the same school like his class as well and she would just like be that parent um and we'd have like pizza or whatever it was and so I grew up kind of doing like karaoke and stuff like that but I never saw myself as kind of like the front woman necessarily of like a band or anything um that kind of changed when I was 11 or 12 um and I saw Paramore on MTV and I remember Haley was just like 
rocking out with like her red hair and bright yellow pants and I was like whoa like that's crazy like I want to do that and um I've always listened to rock music and stuff or whatever was fed to me from my brother like Linkin Park and Breaking Benjamin and, and a bunch of stuff from a different from like a bunch of different places and um I just knew I wanted to kind of go that route of like being in a band as opposed to it just being myself um and so yeah I would say just around like middle school I kind of really wanted to find people to be in a band with but no one around me knew how to play instruments or anything like that until I got to high school and um then I met my emo partner in crime and so like freshman year we formed a duo and then that kind of morphed into a four-piece band and Nick who's our guitarist now was actually in that band as well in high school and um yeah and we just did like the talent shows and things like that um and yeah things didn't really shift until after high school when um you know people's interests changed and Mm -hmm. folks went to college and things like that and I was just kind of left again by myself but I knew that I wanted to keep doing music and so I just took to the internet and found folks to join me and that's how I became the front woman because in the high school band I was just rhythm guitar and like background vocals I would have preferred for my like more you know popular emo presenting friend to be like the front person they had more like the stage presence and stuff but I kind of just like faked it till I made it um and just emulated the Haley Williams charisma that I always wanted Mm -hmm. in my own project and you know took that with me as I became the front woman of my own band that's so neat with rhythm guitar did is that something that you just kind of picked up as everybody was kind of figuring out what roles they wanted in the band like what made you decide on that instrument yeah so I remember I got my first guitar when I was maybe like 11 or 12 as well like in middle school but I didn't know how to play it it just came Mm -hmm. with one of those like first act booklets and I had no idea like what any of it meant and so I went to the boys and girls club and they had like a music program Mm -hmm. and the I brought like one of the cards with me and it just had all these dots and like lines on it and he was like oh you you know put that between the strings and the fretboard and then that shows you like where you put like your fingers and you know and I remember like I think I audibly said this out loud I was like oh like that's easy okay like I get it like it just clicked for me even though I had been like even though I had been like sitting on my guitar for like a few months or maybe even a year. I don't really remember the timeline, but basically it was unused. And then as soon as he like showed me how my fingers are supposed to be, I was like, oh, okay, great. And then I went home and I just started Googling songs and YouTube. And I just taught myself guitar from middle school through high school and just sing and that's how I did it. That's so awesome. And that's so great that you're self-taught in that way, you know, just needed a little bit of guidance. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, it was freshman year of high school and we actually had to choose a uh, a music thing. And I chose guitar because I was like, why not? I already kind of know it and I can get better. And so 
when I entered the room, there was just like 20 or 22 students, like all in a room, all with their acoustic guitars. And like, I joined them and my teacher was kind of going through like the basic things. And I was like, I kind of like raised my hand and I was like, oh, like I kind of like know this stuff. And then he called me up and I showed him some stuff that I could do. And he said, oh, okay, so you should be in the advanced class. And what the advanced class was, was basically like five of us in a room off to the side where we would just goof off and not do any of what he assigned because he wasn't there. Right. And we would just be in that room for like 40 minutes. And then the last five minutes of class, he would come in and like show us like one thing and then we'd be free. So it was in that side room where we me and my guitarist who we went to high school together, like where we really like, you know, came into ourselves as musicians and like, you know, just really had the opportunity to just goof around and do whatever we want and like learn from each other. We were basically just unsupervised in a room with guitars. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of time was spent there, skipping class to go there. I had like another entrance on the side like <laughs> the hallway it was so bad but like yeah it, I would definitely have preferred to be in that room than like the main class where you know nobody really wanted to learn guitar anyway mm-hmm. that's so funny I did the same thing in high school with uh art classes and with journalism classes and stuff because I somehow ended up in like the advanced placement versions of those classes and we were all just like goofing off the whole time and like yeah. it inspired a lot of creativity and I got a lot of cool stuff done but I remember being like wow okay so <laughs> it's actually more laid back when you're in like the advanced versions of these classes yeah yeah that's so great that that was able that was an opportunity for you to kind of like bond with your guitarist Nick and then also be able to just like test yourself that's like the perfect space to be in when you're a teenager and trying to get comfortable with um playing music and stuff uh you started to talk a little bit earlier about how um you didn't see yourself as like a front person of a band until uh, it sounds like closer to like mint green and stuff uh, what made you decide that you were ready to be a front person and like what, what what sort of what was your thinking behind all of that and how did you kind of get yourself motivated well, I guess by the time I knew that my band was on its last leg, we were back down to a duo again, and it was just, um, and uh, Nick had left, and and the person I had originally started the band with had left, and so I was just left with uh, our new lead vocalist at the time, and she was, I still think she has like one of the best voices like I've ever heard. She was an amazing songwriter. But, like, anytime we would perform, she would just get super, like, nervous and, like, in her head about it. And she would, like, you know, forget, like, lyrics and things like that, which is all, like, normal things. But I could just tell from just performing with her versus practice, she was definitely not as interested in pursuing this, you know rock star like you know front and center um life that I really wanted for us Mm -hmm. and so I and also in addition to that her parents like wanted her to like go to college and things like that because we were post high school at this point and um and so I remember just saying hey like let's just take a two-week break and 
in that time, just let me know if this is still something that you want to do. And like in that time, that's when I like went on Craigslist and like found backups because I kind of knew what the answer was already going to be. And, um, and I guess the reason that I chose to kind of take on the role as like the leader and like the front person is because I think I always have been, but I was always just not confident enough to be. Mm. Um, I, you know, I just kind of put people that I thought were, you know, more popular or prettier or whatever in front of me. Um, But then I know that I still wanted to like make music and like write my own songs. And I couldn't like do that unless I stepped into those shoes. So I, I just had to do it. That's awesome that you kind of just saw this more so as an opportunity for yourself and your creativity to like, you know, step up and make something your own truly in that sense. Yeah. I mean, I think starting out, I did kind of try to find someone to uh, be like another duo situation with me, but that would kind of be a cop out, I think, for my own self. Cause I, cause I knew that the songs I was writing were like my songs and I knew the vision that I had, but it was mostly just about believing that I could do it and be that one person um, to front a band. That's so cool. And it's so great that you believed in yourself then and you do now, obviously, because you're still doing it with Mint Green. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's so neat. Uh, So you talked about putting out kind of feelers through Craigslist and stuff to get um, Mint Green going and stuff. Like, how did, how how were the responses like and how did you kind of reach the lineup that you have now? So this is my favorite to tell. Um, The only like original member technically of Mint Green is Daniel, our drummer. Mm -hmm. And um, he was the second person that we found. I had another guitarist um, and we had already been working together for a little bit and, but we still had to get to find a drummer. And so I'm not sure if Daniel posted the ad looking to drum for things or if he replied to something that I posted. But all I know is that he said that he was a drummer, but he didn't have any like proof of that, like no pictures or videos or anything. Um, And so me and the guitarist, who was just kind of this kind of like manly man type, we just met up with him like Tuesday evening at a coffee shop. um, And but we had nothing to worry about because Daniel was just like the sweetest guy ever. And just from the way that he talked about music and like, I don't know, just how it's something that he's always wanted to do and pursue and something that makes him truly happy. I didn't have to hear him play. Like I knew that it would be fine. Um, He's in med school actually. And so like, it's been a pretty interesting journey over the past four years navigating that busy schedule Mm -hmm. and like um, just everything, but his like dedication and and passion for the music hasn't wavered at all. So like, I'm super grateful for Craigslist for that. I found like (laughs) the sweetest, most talented guy ever. That's so neat. And I'm so glad that you found somebody like Daniel because like, I really like what Daniel brings to your songs, particularly like the rhythm section and everything. So um, I'm glad that you put your, your faith in what he had to say about music and stuff. Cause he's very talented. 
it's really funny because he's so like reserved like you watch the interview so you can see he doesn't really talk much <laughs> yeah um uh in any of our interviews but like he really does you know bang on those drums and, and make noise and he's like really analytical but in like a productive and constructive way so mm-hmm. like writing songs with him is my favorite like he's very thoughtful about things and he also listens to a lot of different types of music mm-hmm. so we can all just like pull things and it's really really nice to have someone like him to make music with i can imagine so for sure because it's like uh i can hear the technicality in some of his drumming and stuff so that tells me he definitely listens to a lot of stuff and all of you seem to with the kind of variety that i found kind of locked within your music um, tell me about how you describe your sound and like maybe is there anything that influences it? Yeah, this is always fun because I feel like starting out, we were definitely like in the pop punk, like indie category, um, which I would agree with because my influences are like, um, you know, Tiger's Draw and, and Paramore and Turnover and bands like that. Like those were like my direct influences with mint green like that's the kind of music that i wanted to um emulate um but as times have passed uh, or i mean even prior to time passing we never were i feel like hard enough to be you know what someone would think is pop punk but also maybe not as soft as what someone may think is like indie pop or indie. I think we've always kind of been in this interesting world of like all indie punk, catchy chorus, twinkle, emo, Mm -hmm. like it's just so many adjectives, you know, of every kind of, I think, genre fluid. And like some of the stuff that I'm hoping to release uh, within the year is definitely leaning more into like pop actually, um kind of definitely taking that paramore route if you've heard after laughter Mm -hmm. or just really any of their songs post riot um because i just think i was kind of too afraid to lean into those kind of more upbeat like i don't know happier sounding poppier sounding things Mm -hmm. but now with just the way music has been, I feel like more people are embracing pop and embracing genre neutralness. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited to uh, bring that to the table. And that's the song that I sent you. So definitely sounds different than probably what someone would think of for a pop punk band. Absolutely. And I love that um, you're experimenting with different sounds because I feel like traditional understanding of genre is kind of declining now i feel like a lot of people are really trying to kind of stretch their limits and really embrace the aspects in music that they really love rather than just doing what others think is cool or what they think will get them the most attention within a particular scene so that's really awesome that you're kind of like embracing things that you love like the popular elements of paramore and stuff is crucial and i feel like that's one of those bands out there that's inspiring a lot of bands to kind of get out of their comfort zone as far as sound goes yeah, their arc has been f- fantastic. Um, 
just they were definitely like one of my biggest inspirations just because they started so young and that's something I've always wanted to it's just that kind of we're young and we're going entire experience together we're growing up in this Mm -hmm. and uh and that's that's what I really wanted when I started out was I wanted to have this journey of like you know just homegrown rock you know exploding to the mainstream and and still doing what you love but remaining um remaining just uh you know loved by by people and and still making the music that you want to make Absolutely. And it's interesting because I heard you talk about that a little bit in that web documentary off the record, which is awesome. Recommended to everybody listening. Shout um, out college. It's so <laughs> cool. And like, I love how you talked about how much you love music and how I think in a lot of ways you feel empowered and people listen to you when you're performing and stuff. Can you talk a little bit more about that and maybe how you reached that point of thinking? Yeah. Um, I guess I kind of describe it as like, I mean, it's kind of self-serving in a way. And I mean, I know like a lot of like comedians and and actors talk about it too, but essentially it's like you're kind of in a way looking for validation from strangers, but like it's also like you're not because I mean, the way I describe it is for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, you are on the stage and you can yell and cry and scream about whatever you want and like people like have to listen you know Mm -hmm. technically you don't have to but basically you have this platform for once and I think that's like really the only time or space for that because you know when you're walking your day-to-day life no one has to listen to you but you know in the form of music like that's how you express the things that you want to express and if people relate to it then that makes it even better so it's like really cool to just have that 30 minutes to where everyone's just like listening to you for once because maybe growing up you didn't have that definitely that's honestly so crucial especially whenever thinking from the lens of like a young person or somebody who um i know that a lot of like non-men people of color lgbt folks and stuff it's like they don't have these platforms accessible to them but one of the cool things about independent music is people do have those platforms now and it's becoming more and more accessible to them to where they can use it. And whether it's something where they just want to get out just feelings in general or something that's like a message that's important to them, either way, it's like you do have this space where people who are there have to listen. Yeah, definitely. Um, That's been very interesting as well. Like, you know, starting out four years ago in Boston, the scene was definitely like, not reflective of what I was or what my band was Mm -hmm. and so we I had to really walk a fine line between being like are we a token you know for this bill or do people genuinely like the stuff that we're doing um but I just think the way the world has shifted and the values in the community has changed it's been amazing to be able to tour with uh you know uh, non-men fronted bands and you know bands with more people of color and things like that and also I think because our genre is so uh, fluid it's been very interesting too, kind of playing with maybe like softer indie bands and then bands harder than us we're always kind of 
bouncing in between scenes, which is cool because we get to see so many different people, hear so many different things. And so I feel really lucky that um, that the worldview and, and the climate has changed to accept more bands like us and that we've been able to, yeah, just go in that direction over the years and things haven't seemed to regress at all. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. And like, um, I feel like the Boston scene has definitely become more inclusive from what I've heard from different bands that I've spoken to in the area. And like, it's nice when you're able to float between different like communities and really feel like you can be a part of all of them. So, uh, tell me about your first shows as mint green. Like how did you get the shows and how did they go for you? Oh man, it was so rough starting out. Like I, had been watching the scene from afar, which sounds like creepy, but what I mean is I volunteered for an online radio station, which means I had like direct access to what was going on in the scene. Like I was, uh, I think senior of high school and then post high school, I was just working for, well, working very loosely. I was just kind of uh, editing uh, this guy's radio show and sometimes I would be on the air with him and he would have people come in like Bay Faction for example I don't know if you know the band Bay Faction but Bay Faction is from Boston they're Berkeley grads I want to say or at least students and uh I remember like they came into the studio and talked with them about stuff um but it was you know before they were like big and stuff like that so that was kind of my direct access to kind of what was going on um and so I knew so like so like when I like had my band and I wanted to start playing shows I just kind of did I think is cold call the right word I basically just sent out like hi like we're a band (laughs) (laughs) I want to play here or do you want to play with us and we wouldn't get any bites like we were like nothing but then slowly but surely like um you know we got you know replies but I just remember just I would play anything and like do anything and so Mm -hmm. there would be times where we would play to you know three people four people or we would play at like 1 a.m in Lowell like there's just all these like crazy just things that we did but I definitely would do it all over again because it really gave us like a strong sense of like working hard mm-hmm. and not uh, writing something off. Like, you know, there's been bigger shows that I've gotten more recently that have come from shows that I did years ago or the people that I met years ago. Like, I always say that, like, if I can just, like, talk to or, like, reach, like, one new person, like, I'm happy with that. Like, not every single show has to have, like, a thousand people mm-hmm. as long as, I get to meet someone new or talk to someone new, like that's fine with me. So starting out was like rough in terms of getting gigs and the audience, but just persevering and and just continuing to grind and not, and like going in with no expectations. I think that's why we've kind of kept our, I don't know, have kept the ball rolling. That's so important. I think a lot of um, bands starting out kind of don't realize that sometimes it is a big grind to like, work hard to get in front of people and like get the attention of like booking folks or other local bands. Yeah. And like, I didn't even like know that we were kind of 
the talk of the town until we were nominated for our first Boston Music Award. Oh, cool. 2017. Yeah, because it was like, like, oh, people like outside of basements know us. That's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were nominated for New Artist of the Year. But at that point, we had, yeah, we'd been a band for like about a year and a half. So mm-hmm. it was cool that we were reaching kind of the, I don't know, older contemporary folks. Or I don't really know what <laughs> made up of, but I just... I just didn't view our, you know, view us like that. Like, you know, we were just still playing basements and and maybe a college show here or there. So that was like really cool. Um, And then we were nominated again in 2018 for Indie Alt uh, Artist of the Year. And and so that's cool to be amongst, you know, the likes of like Pale Hound and, and other just kind of, uh local uh folks doing bigger things than us um but yeah i feel like we've always kind of or at least within the last year we were kind of between both worlds of like um you know really connected to like the college scene the basement scene the diy scene Mm -hmm. but then also you know playing for colleges and art festivals and and more kind of uh proper whatever you want to call them type shows that's really neat and it's great that you've gotten the recognition in that time period and stuff because you've been releasing music since like 2016 um how do you feel your music has kind of like grown and changed from like growth to headspace to the new music you're working on yeah so for the first album i always call it simple because it was just me uh, I wrote those songs like by myself, um, like the bones of them and, and the song form of them. And then I recruited musicians to kind of add their bits on top. Um, but then for Headspace, it was a much more collaborative um, experience. And you can really hear the differences in that, in them rather. Uh, you know, uh, growth is very just simple like very just four chord like I could play them without anyone else basically mm-hmm. whereas with headspace like you know there's some riffs on there I definitely couldn't play um things are just a bit like edgier and more like upbeat um mm-hmm. so yeah that's like the main differences um we would kind of collectively bring stuff to the table and so there was like a lot of mathier and punkier influence uh on that album mm-hmm. um for the music coming up it's still collaborative but i think i actually am coming back into myself because since losing two of the members that were on headspace i have had to do like a lot more of finding my own musicianship again because i think they were so good that i almost relied on them too much to like come up with cool riffs and then I mean it was great so it was like bada bing bada boom here's foggy here's take care here's the siren like you know here are these songs that I couldn't play myself but I write the lyrics to and can kind of craft into a song that I would want to perform but like they're not necessarily songs that I would be able to make like myself I guess Mm -hmm. um and so for the new stuff it's kind of actually been back to me like with my guitar and like bringing stuff to the table again and then folks add their stuff again. And it's still like intricate and cool, but just I think more of myself than 
uh, musically than Headspace was. Headspace for me was more lyrically, um, more lyrically important. Like I said a lot of things on there that I really needed to say. Um, but now for the stuff coming out, it's I think a better balance of lyrics and musicality for myself. That's amazing and super important. It's great that you've kind of explored different approaches to songwriting there in that way. Um, tell me a little bit about how your songwriting process has been lately. Like, are you kind of writing your music and lyrics first and then bringing it to the group or even which comes first for you? Yeah, it varies from song to song. Most times though, I kind of just do this where I have my phone notes and I'll just, something random will like pop into my head and I'll just write it down. Um, it could be just a phrase or just like a collection of words. And then by the time I'm ready to sit down and write a song, I just go through all of the random notes in my phone and try to string them together like, like a jigsaw puzzle. Um, but then there have been times too uh, where um, like Nick will just have a riff, for example, and then we all build off of that. Um, or or I'll just, uh, or I'll have like a chord progression and, you know, we'll just do it all together like that. It's just hard recently just because of everyone's like busy schedules and also our new bassist who's in a, in her own band as well called Tiffy. She's awesome. Really glad that she's a part of our team. Um, but like she lives in New Hampshire and then mm -hmm. Dale's in med school. And even though Nick and I work together, I mean, uh, live together, he like works a lot. So it's hard to uh, kind of come together as much as we would usually in times past. Um, but so I guess more recently it has been me kind of doing stuff on GarageBand and um, things like that and then presenting it to the team, which is something that I've never done before, which I think is normal like I feel like most people do garage band and do like demos and stuff mm -hmm. like that but it's pretty interesting how four years in I'm kind of doing that for the first time um and then showing it to everyone and hoping that they like it <laughs> but yeah that's cool though that you're able to kind of like adapt to different like schedules and your um bandmates kind of needs and stuff too while still staying proactive with your music that's really awesome and yeah demoing stuff out I feel like is a lot of fun too because you get to kind of get an idea of like all these pieces in your mind kind of coming together um in a slightly more tangible sense and kind of being able to process that yeah definitely I found it to be super helpful um it's actually honestly crazy thinking that we would literally just meet up like like the first year of Mink Green, we would just like meet up on Friday nights and then just come out with a song. Uh, that was like very freeing and like definitely like a privilege, I would say. Because now that everyone's like super busy, it's like we just don't have the time to, mm -hmm. you know, doodle around and stuff. It's it's much more, uh, I don't want to say businessy, but it's much more like, you know, we have to do our homework basically. Mm -hmm. As opposed yeah. to just like, let's like rock out and see what happens. Like, you know, <laughs> we don't have that privilege anymore. Yeah, it's probably a little bit more focused, but hey, it still works because you're writing some really incredible music. Thank you. 
Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about a couple of like my favorite songs that I was listening to while digging through kind of your releases that you have so far. I think one of the songs that struck me was, um, was Holy. That one was really cool. Uh, tell me a little bit about that song. Yeah, I'm glad you like mentioned that actually, because I don't actually talk about that song ever. But um, that song is, that song was like, it's the first one on the album. And it's the first one after growth where we were like, wow, like we're never going to write a song better than this. Like, <laughs> like it was so like all the parts, like, like, you know, how the breakdown happens. And like, I remember thinking like, whoa, like this is so cool. Like I can't believe this. And I don't know. And we didn't end it on a chorus, you know, like, it was just so many elements that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a lot of things that we had to nail, like there's like a slight time change and then like the riff at the end is really difficult. So, you know, we were definitely sweating when we made that one, but it's cool. Cause like, I like challenging ourselves. Yeah. Every new song that we make. So that was the first one of that batch where we were like, okay, this is a new era. Like we're different now. Um, and that one is also cool because we got to record it at Converse Rubber Tracks, uh, which is a facility here in Boston, uh, like Converse the Shoes. They record local bands and oh wow, out to us, and we got to record with them, and we got shoes and whatnot, and some stickers. So that was cool. <laughs> uh, they sadly don't exist anymore, um, so we really got in in a good time, yeah. and um, we got to record. Uh, as well as June 2nd and Foggy with Converse. So that was cool. But um, yeah, that song, it's kind of speaking to uh, my family uh, mm-hmm. who are religious. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of exploring the idea of how you can love someone but not agree with uh their values or kind of like the way that they're treating people because of their values right and uh, so that's why it's like i love you by default but i can't smile through this time um and uh and yeah and then sometimes spending time with those people can be draining even though you mm-hmm. love them and so that's why at the end i just kind of keep repeating um every second that i'm with you i feel more alone yeah, yeah, that was really powerful, yeah. honestly, at the ending. And I felt that, honestly, throughout the entire song. It, the whole, like, don't you try and change your mind, I love you by default. Like, that was, uh, that's something that I can understand and relate to. And I feel like so much of this song, the whole, like, I recognize and love the relationship that we have. But at the same time, it's like, it, it doesn't always feel good. <laughs> and sometimes you have to make compromises and stuff. And that makes it really hard. So I, I like that you shine a light on that experience that not enough people talk about. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you like it. Absolutely. I feel that way through so much of your music, though. Like, another one was, like, for me, was Take Care. Because, mm-hmm. like, um, I, I like the whole take care when I see new faces, take care of my mind. Um, I feel like it's as much, the song feels like so much of like a call out to like toxicity as much as it is like a promise to kind of like defend and care for people that are important to you, including yourself, which is so crucial. Uh, can you talk about that song too? 
Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I wrote that after um, a venue that Nick and I would frequent as teens and in high school with our high school band. It was like really there um, for us. Um, and we continued to play it uh, when I had Mint Green. Like uh, it was really there for me in the beginning. It was just like $5 all ages, like come on, like come on, come all, uh, come one, come all type bit. Uh, I'm gonna... <laughs> Let me re-say that. Um, it was one of those venues that was a come one, come all, you know, inclusive for everyone type of space. Um, so that kind of got exposed as a place that wasn't so safe anymore because of the management. And so it was a big loss for the community. And so mm -hmm. I wrote that song about losing that space. And so uh, that's why yeah, I'm kind of just like, you know, I should have known that everything would come undone. Like, never matter what battles were lost or won. Because I kind of like, didn't like the new manager that they hired anyway, basically. Mm. So I was like, I never wanted to know you. Like, now everyone knows your name. I'm kind of just like, dang, like, this guy really messed everything up. And, uh, and I knew that no matter how much we fought for this space, like something would go wrong with it. So it's a little pessimistic, but then at the same time, it I am coming out of it stronger, which is why I'm like, take care, like, like goodbye, like you like ruining this, but we're still gonna continue on and, and find a better, more inclusive space for everyone. That's great. And I like that as much as it can feel pessimistic, it also, <laughs> this is making me feel like I'm about to quote a Paramore song, but like yeah. there is an optimism behind it though, in the sense of like building up like everybody in spite of it, like, you know, you're going to take care of yourself and the others and like you, it doesn't feel like it whenever these spaces fall apart, but like, you know, you can always build another, you can always find yeah. another and stuff. That's so it's, like your sympathy is something I don't need, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. That's what I loved about it though. Cause I feel like so many of us go through these experiences and I'm just like, Oh my God. Yeah. I feel seen and heard emotionally, sonically, all of it. <laughs> um, same goes for your new song that I have had the pleasure of hearing now trying. It is amazing. Um, I think honestly, it's like, I actually listened to trying before I went back and listened to more of your music, but I was just like immediately blown away whenever I heard that song. I'm like, yep, I got to talk to this band. So. Yeah, I mean so much. I was like, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are like, let me come on the podcast so it was really <laughs> cool for you to reach out and say that you like the song and that we're doing this thing. So thank you again for having me. Absolutely. I got so excited when I heard it because it's like the, the, I feel like there was a mantra in the song that just like resonated with me um, when I first heard it. And of course it still does. I feel like now, particularly with everything going on in the world where it's like, I'm still just trying to make it work. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there's other context within the song, but that just is like, I feel that kind of reaction, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the good thing about music is that like, I can write about maybe one singular incident, uh, relationship, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it may be. 
but then others can find themselves and find meanings in whatever it is. And honestly, I also can pull from it too after the fact. Like even though I know that I wrote it about something else, the sentiments and the feelings can still be applied to other situations. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. That's so neat. Can you tell me a little bit about the story that you're kind of telling within trying, like sonically and lyrically? Yeah. Ugh, trying was so. That was the second new new song that I made. I kind of like. This is kind of how I frame it, Green. Like, I feel like we just go through phases. I mean, mostly because we've had kind of bandmates come in and out. Mm-hmm. And so, like, um, trying and then this other new song that we're going to release, they were kind of written um, in the same time period. And so this was the second song of that badge. And it was written after a breakup, of course. And it was kind of just exploring the idea of like I am still like dreaming about you and I still am imagining what we had but now we're like separate so it's like you know like you're on your way to work you know like I know like what you're doing and like what's Mm. going on because I am used to your schedule essentially um but like we're just so apart yeah Um, and so that's why at the end too it's like i'm sure it's over i'm not sure how to be um i'm so sober and i'm so free because i also like became sober in like the relationship that i was in um and i've never talked about this before actually you're really getting a really deep scoop here (laughs) (laughs) but i like became sober sober with this person um and so like yeah, just all the feelings of, like, we've had so much back and forth. Um, that's why, like, the lyrics for the second verse are pretty similar, but then, like, slightly different. Because it's, yeah. like, will I keep trying to make it work? Because it's, like, I know that this is over, basically, um, as opposed to I'm still just trying to make this work. It's, like, will I, you know? Yeah. Like, slight word differences there. And um, and then, yeah, by the end of the song, it kind of reaches this pinnacle and then it all kind of falls. And that's why everything just gets stripped back. And it's me self-reflecting and realizing that it's over. Mm-hmm. But I still have myself and I have my sobriety and I'm free and I'm going to make it with or without you, basically. That's incredible. And I love how you kind of... Um... The part where it does zero in on you, it feels like it slows down for a moment for like lyrical and sonic kind of uncertainty as you're clearly processing and stuff. And that was just so artfully done. And then um, you hear Daniel kind of slowly start to pick up there with the drum. And that was just incredible where it just kind of like, it feels like the equivalent, it's a sonic equivalent of feeling like your mind start to like race in the way of when you're kind of like having a, um, a euphoric moment, a realization, you know? And I yeah. thought that was so cool how you were able to do that lyrically and sonically. It was so cool. Thank you so much. And like something funny about that song is that we actually wrote it, like starting out the idea of it was supposed to be like fun and easy, right? Mm. So that's why it's like, boom, damn, like it's supposed to be super fun and easy. But then when we reached that part, 
I don't know who suggested it, but those are called polyrhythms. So we're on different planes and it was really, really, really hard to figure out how to do. And so it's like, we have this joke about how it's like, dang it guys, like this was supposed to be our like fun and easy song, but we just <laughs> doing these polyrhythms, cutting through these triplets and it's like, but it sounds, you know, it kind of sounds simple and it sounds, you know, whatever, but like, it was really hard to nail from like a musician standpoint. Thankfully That's I don't so have neat. to play in that part, but yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, I love that so much. And I love how you kind of like, like, you know what, if we're going to get this right, we're willing to make things a little bit more complex and stuff. So yeah, we didn't want to like sacrifice um, what we wanted just to make it easier. And yeah, we definitely, it was a challenge, but we're really happy with how it came out. I love to hear that. Well, I mean, I talked about a bunch of my favorite songs that you've written and have um, solely released and stuff, but like, uh, what are some of your favorite songs that you've released so far that you've worked on they can be teased to us too of course <laughs> <laughs> um ones that uh that are coming out you, you said yeah yeah whether those songs you have out now or stuff you have coming out soon or that you're working on well a song that i really like now that i don't really talk about much is the siren which is the last song on the album headspace and that one again was one of those songs where it was like, wow, this is so complicated and crazy, but I'm really glad we're making it. And um, it has like blast beats in it, which means that the drums are just like, you know, I don't know if this is picking up on the mic, but intricate, crazy type song. And it's kind of our more like heavier emo sounding song i would say mm -hmm. um but that song is just really fun to perform live and um i never get tired of it i mean i don't get tired of any of our songs i guess but especially not this one just because it's kind of just speaking directly about a situation into someone and it and we always end our well it's like our second to last song like so it's right before take care so those two songs back to back it's like very just uh getting out all of the angst that you could ever want so that's why i like it the most um and i also don't have to play guitar in it for, <laughs> for take care so i really get to just run around and like act like the crazy person that i want to be <laughs> as opposed to like holy and stuff where i have to actually you know be chill and play my parts um, <laughs> but um as far as stuff coming out um i'm really excited about this one called well i'm excited about a lot of them i'm not gonna lie and honestly in times past i wouldn't say that because i feel like it's not really cool to like <laughs> but i've spent so much time being like oh my god like stop like you like myself that's so weird but honestly like I've spent so much time on these songs and so much time like writing I I actually am proud of them so I'm not afraid you hear that internet <laughs> I'm to say that I like my music but um <laughs> 
But I guess there's one song in particular that we haven't even recorded yet, but I just know it's going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's going to be called What I'm Feeling. Ooh. And it's kind of, this might sound weird, but like the beginning of it reminds me of like Since You've Been Gone. So it's never shit. Yes. <laughs> so if you could imagine, it's just like a dun 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 dun. Just very just like, and then everyone just kind of comes in. Uh huh. Kind of just one of those classic like guitar, ba 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 ba, and then bass, boom 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 boom, and then kick, you know, like that coming, kind of all coming together. Sounds so much fun. Yeah, and then the chorus happens, and it's. It's very poppy. It's it's very upbeat and poppy, uh, which is again the direction that we're kind of going. Uh-huh. But then it kind of has a moment similar to Holy, where the instruments uh, strip for a second and it starts building, and then again it reaches like another. <laughs> I'm not sure if any of this is is making sense, but. Basically, I'm excited for this song because it just reminds me of one of those kind of uh, older, just very bandy sounding songs is all I can really say. Like every instrument has a place. All the choruses are, are fun and and yeah, so I'm excited to show that to people. I'm really excited to hear it, honestly. And I feel like um, trying was such a great tease for what's ahead. So I can't wait for all that you're going to do this year. Um, so what are some things that you really want your listeners to get out of your music, maybe even specifically your new music? Mm. I want them to, I want them to, uh, to feel okay about relating to things. Mm-hmm. Cause I think sometimes I hear a song and I'm so into maybe just like the overall like oomph of it that mm-hmm. I may lose some of the lyrics or or something like that. Like I guess like I want people to kind of go in with like an open mind for like the new stuff that we're releasing and and hopefully they can find something that they that they I don't like about it lyrically because I think lyrics to me are like the most important um, well at least when I'm writing and so like I really want people to uh, <laughs> to read them <laughs> to read the lyrics in. and you know the instruments and stuff are going to be cool too but I want people to to relate to the things that I'm saying and feel okay about that because sometimes it's going to be like a tough subject but mm-hmm. it's okay because we all experience them and we don't have to immediately just default to maybe just like the backbeat, but actually empathizing with the feelings that we all have and accepting them and working through whatever it is together. That's like what I want. Absolutely. Okay. That's amazing. Um, so I know you mentioned that you are going to be doing some recording this year with all these new songs and stuff. Um, what are some things you're kind of hoping to accomplish in 2020? I know it's kind of a weird year, at least a weird start to the year, but what do you want to do? I want to actually play with more production. Mm. So trying like the demo that I sent you is actually one step before the 
version that we just finished recording it's kind of on hold now because of you know the pandemic that we're in but uh we basically actually ended up going back to the studio and adding in some things and you know adding in some synth sounds and and playing with my voice a bit more and and reverb and harmonies and things like that that Mm -hmm. may not be typically found in like a straight punk song or even like a straight indie song and just not being afraid to like play with those sounds and hopefully people won't be like oh my gosh auto-tune that's so weird Um, (laughs) people will kind of understand that it's for like an artistic fun player um so definitely playing with that more um just taking more time in general to make the songs feel I guess more like professional and and thought out Mm -hmm. um especially with all the time that we have now we can really I think take more time to develop them as Mm -hmm. opposed to maybe times past where it's like all right we finished the song go in the studio crank it out and that's it you know very straightforward these are going to be kind of more uh developed I would say that sounds amazing well I'm really excited for you and I'm really excited to hear the next evolutions of these songs they sound incredible already and yeah this is going to be an amazing time for you that's for sure thanks so much I'm super excited Definitely. Well, I always like to round out the end of an episode with a question. Um, if you can, if you could play a show with any three artists or bands that can be currently active, or you can bring them back from the dead, who would it be? Ooh, three. I would definitely want to play with Paramore, which is like obvious and maybe lame to say because I'm so predictable, but they're great. And Haley's super fun and I would love to collab anytime. Haley Williams, if you're listening, hi. <laughs> I oh my gosh I haven't talked about them really ever because this is my first interview of 2020 but I love Muna with my whole heart and I like have I've known about them for like a few years but like didn't really dive into their stuff until they played the Sinclair here in Cambridge and my friend had an extra ticket and I was like okay I guess I'll see Muna even though I only know two songs and I was like hooked from seeing them perform live and then I ended up seeing them in the UK a month later and then hopefully I get to see them at uh in NYC in June if you know things return to normal so Mm -hmm. basically within uh you know eight month period I will hopefully have seen them three times and I don't even even go to concerts like that but like Muna like they are like everything that I I've wanted to be like they're just like super strong women super musically talented like they're just like everything they're they're everything the way they perform is really fun and their message is great too and like they're queer and they're just everything so uh, my dream lineup would be Mint Green, Paramore, Muna, and maybe I'll throw in King Princess in there too. Oh, okay. Um, King Princess is an amazing pop artist, but musician as well. Like she shreds on on guitar, and I think um, she's just a really good example of someone that's also kind of bending genre. She's really into production and playing guitar, and an amazing vocalist. And her messages as well are something that I um, can relate to with her being queer and whatnot. So that's my four-band bill right there. 
I love it. What a stack show. And I hope that you get all the opportunities <laughs> to like play with bands like this. I'm always super stoked and thrilled when I see more and more um, people who've been on the podcast talk about the lineups that they end up on at some point, or I see them getting announced on this really cool tour. So I'm like, Haley, if you're listening, one, call me, two, because <laughs> I want you on the pod. And also, two, please book Mint Green, because yeah. that would be an incredible show. And I hope that you get all the opportunities. Yeah, I want, I, we're definitely manifesting it. Here's to hoping. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks so much for joining me, um, Renika. This has been so much fun. Where can everybody follow Mint Green on the internet and find all your music? We are on Instagram, Mint Green Music. And if you want to hear me shouting in 180 characters or less, we are on Twitter, Mint Green MA. Um, and that's also our band camp. Or if you're into Spotify, Mint Green, and we should just come up. Thank you for having me. And hopefully y'all will like our stuff if you choose to listen. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a blast. Everybody, please follow Mint Green.
just heard Mint Green. Thank you so much to Renika for sharing her music and what's ahead for this really awesome band. Be sure to follow Mint Green on social media to stay tuned for these incredible new songs that are on the way. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with Angry Girl Music at the Indie Rock Persuasion online. Find episodes, links, articles, and more at angrygirlmusic.com. Get in touch with me through email at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at at angrygirlmusic. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, reach out and let's chat about what you're working on. Pledge your support for Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion on Patreon at patreon.com slash angrygirlmusic. Special thanks to our monthly patrons, Molly O'Malley, Kendra Mamula, Carly Commando, John Kitsy Kitzmiller, and Sam Zerwitz. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay angry and stay safe. Bye for now.